You're listening to a DM podcast. If you're making a podcast to get in the charts, you're probably going to fail. But if you're making a podcast for this really niche community that you know you're going to serve and that no one's served before or has already been served but you're going to do it differently and this is why, I think that is where the value of podcasting is. Welcome to Behind the Podcast, your weekly dive into Australia's most interesting and influential podcasts and the story behind them. I'm your host, Jules Batstone, and I'm joined by my co-host, Anthony Stockdale. Hello, everyone. Today, we're talking to Rowdy Walden from Search Engine Sex. Starting out as a TV producer, Rowdy entered Spotify's Sound Up Australia Accelerator program in 2018, a boot camp which empowers Australia's First Nation individuals to tell their stories, whatever they may be. In June 2020, Search Engine Sex launched as the first wave of Aussie Spotify original shows. The second season goes live on November 23rd. Be sure to check it out. Rowdy's podcast aims to answer all your questions about the ins and outs of sex. Here's a little taste. Luckily, this episode is about new beginnings. The issue is, though, with how do you ask someone out? I need to know a context. Is it a real-life ask out? Is it a Tinder ask out? Is it being trapped in a polygamy prison with all your friends and a man just brings a random little note to you? Is that the asking out? Okay, yep, well, um, I'm underprepared for this. Rowdy went gangbusters at the Australian Podcast Awards, getting nominated for Best Sex and Relationship Podcast and Best Indigenous Podcast. So without further ado, let's dive in. Um, so searching in sex, um, I like to call it the podcast you've been searching for because it uses uh, the most searched sex and relationship questions as like the catalyst for episode topics. So it's really a show that's dictated by what people really want to know. Um, so it's everything from how to get a bigger penis to um, what makes a healthy relationship. So it's kind of a reverse engineered sex podcast where um, instead of telling people what they need to know, we're answering the things that they already are seeking out. And had you, you've been working on this kind of concept for a while. I think I read that you first started thinking about it back in about 2018. Uh-huh. What's been the process like for bringing that to life? Well, I quit my job. I think it was like an early midlife crisis where I was like, <laughs> oh, this was a good idea and now I need to figure out what I'm going to do. Um, and a friend, an old colleague of mine actually sent me the Spotify sound up thing. And I was like, uh, I guess I, it was like the classic story of like it's closing in a day. And I, I wrote two ideas. One was about um, Harold Holt, which um, I still think is the better podcast. I mean, we really need to figure out what happened to Harold Holt. Um, <laughs> so true. <laughs> um, and the other idea was Search Engine Sex. And I just submitted it being like, you know, if it, if it, if it gets into this, this boot camp, then that's great. But also if it doesn't, I'm, it sounds like an, it's an idea that I'd want to make anyway. So I was kind of always going to do it. Had you heard much about Spotify's sound up uh, prior to your friend tipping you off? No, which probably is not very good, like, comms for me to say now as an employee of Spotify, but I, I hadn't heard about it. Um, and so, yeah, I just threw it in and I was like, oh, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it, it doesn't. I'm still going to make it. Um, and then luckily got uh, selected as one of the people to go to the boot camp. And that was really, that was really great. It was like an intense um, boot camp. Uh, where, like, basically every day you had to get up in the beginning of the day and, like, pitch your idea to, like, these panel of people from America uh, and all of these Australian people and everyone else that was in the course or the boot camp with you. So it was like you really had to 
figure out your idea quickly. And I'm happy to admit that I'm a very lazy person. So it really helped. Like it was like you have until the end of these five days to figure out what it is. Um, so that really helped that, that pressure um, to find out what it is. Um, and then I luckily um, was selected to make a pilot. And then I made the pilot. Uh, and the pilot is such a different episode to what the show is now. But I think that's like one of the best things you can ever do is like it, you never really know what it's going to sound like or what it is until you hear it back. You really thought this was a good idea in your head and now it's like, <laughs> this is not good. But the pilot was with a friend of mine, Joe Thornley, and it was kind of like the, the idea was that it was like two guests, uh, sorry, me and a guest, and that we'd both know the topic and then come away, research it, and then bring back the answers to the question that we thought were the answer. Um, where search engine sex is a lot more researched and a lot more thought through, which I think is actually for the best because you don't want to be giving the wrong information when it comes to this topic, especially considering that's probably why people are searching these questions in the first place. So, At the boot camp, apart from pitching to this panel, what yeah. other skills or what other activities were involved? Yeah, so I never had worked in radio or podcasting before. I'd only worked in TV as like a producer and social media type of stuff. So I knew the the basics of storytelling, but... Like everyone kept saying to me, oh, it's just like TV. You just take out the picture, but it's totally not. Like there is so much that you can tell in an image without saying something. Where in a podcast, you've really got to like set it up and not set it up too much because like people are going to tune out or like, you you know, the, the pacing of a podcast is so much different to TV. So um, we learned things like, not learned, but thinking about our audience and thinking about the tone and um, writing a synopsis and how to write scripts. They taught us how to edit audio, how to record audio. So it was kind of an intensive 101 on how to make a podcast and then it was sort of up to you to take those skills and teach you how to fish yeah exactly yeah. Uh, i think the weirdest thing though was like they kept going on about like what's the color of your podcast where's the texture and i'm like like it took me so long to get it because i'm like it's audio it doesn't have a color uh, <laughs> have you figured out what the color is now uh maybe like herpes pink or something yeah. i don't know Just some I, flamed. Yeah, yeah inflammation red <laughs> Do you keep in touch with many of the people from the boot camp? Yes, we all we have a um, a private Facebook group that we all sort of talk to in, mm-hmm. and a, f- a few of them have gone on to like make theirs outside of Spotify, which is like great. And I think that's the whole the whole aim of Sound Up is like teaching you how to fish, right? Like you don't coming away from the boot camp. The expectation is not that you'll get a show on Spotify; it's that you'll have the skills and the equipment to learn how to do it to to do it yourself. Oh, terrific. So you can then take it if you have something to pursue with another company, I suppose. You can go and do that. Especially for First Nations or Aboriginal people, like the best thing, you know, the agency to tell our own stories. And often that barrier of like, we have really good ideas and we have really good talent, but the avenues for our stories are, you know, there's really two main avenues. And even those avenues are quite hard to jump the barrier over. So I think having Spotify investing in the skills for First Nations and Aboriginal people are is really important, I think. And was that welcomed in your community? Was everyone pretty stoked to hear about this opportunity? I think the topic itself is a bit um, risque. So I think it took a while for people to get on board with it as like Sound Up was there for Indigenous and Aboriginal stories. Sorry, I'm jumping between terms there, but the call out was for First Nations people. So I don't think that people thought about sex fitting into that category but Spotify's whole thing was like we're like that's tokenistic diversity if we only commission uh Aboriginal people to make shows about Aboriginal things which are really important but it's also like true diversity having people behind the mic on a range of genres which I don't know makes me feel really nice to be working with Spotify when that's their mentality 
Absolutely. Yeah, it is terrific. And I think, you know, from a tokenistic point of view, like just looking at the podcast, listening to the podcast, it wouldn't enter into your mind. It's not referenced at all. It's just purely on the topic that you're talking about. What's your favorite episode? Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> it's the penis one. It's always the penis Everyone one. Everyone goes straight for the penis yeah, one. Always. I think it's the most searched thing on the internet probably. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got a couple of single friends at the moment. So mine has been how to ask people out. I yeah. love and that then, Abby Chatfield. Yeah, episode. she's so good. Yeah, that and then pass on that information to them or get them to listen to it even yeah, better. Yeah, yeah, nice. I think also listening to that, I found out that given my age, it's probably a lot different to how kids are, kids, how people are doing it now. <laughs> yes, us kids. I was kids. one of the old-fashioned ask out in person ones, so that seems like that's a big taboo. Mm, that gives me hit. anxiety, the really? thought of that, yeah. And then so you, you did the pilot, and then what happened next? Um, so in the pilot process, they give you a mentor. I was lucky enough to get a, a mentor from Spotify America. And so she really helped me. I think uh, I'd never really worked in that sort of mentor-mentee process before because I'm lazy and it was kind of this like confidence thing of like it was sort of like check-in process it was like a come back to me when you've done this or like you haven't done this have you thought about this and so that momentum with the pilot really helped it was like I think it was quite a while of hearing nothing and then I got a call no I think I got an email one day from the EP of the show Leah who works at Spotify and she was like are you free for a chat and I was like yep Sure, whatever, not thinking anything of it. And right on the call, she was like, so we're going to commission Search Engine Sex for a series. And I was like, um, I was unprepared for this conversation. Uh, <laughs> I think people think that making a podcast is a really easy process. But I think when you add so many people into it, it just becomes a longer and longer process. So it still took about a year, a year um, right. from pilot to starting again. Yeah, because, I mean, I think some of the ones that you listen to, obviously, you know, COVID is just starting to come into the equation in, in one of them. So you're probably doing a bit of that stuff prior. And then editing, I mean, you know, you're talking to a variety of different people, plus you've got your own voiceover that happens throughout. Was that something you'd thought about prior to getting in the in the workshops or was that something that you tangled with while you're in there? The original idea was really immature like it was oh god i cringe thinking about it now but there was a segment in there where i'd call my mum and ask her what the answer to the question was and like i tried to record it like three or four times and every time she was like i what do you like stop i'm i'm busy or i'd call her again and she'd be like this again i'm not playing like and it just sort of um so going back in with spotify that like development process again of like what the format was going to be what would, what it would sound like. Um, and I think we're only just finding, well, I'm only just finding my groove as a host now, having been able to listen back to myself and realise what words sound like when you say them on a podcast. How's it changed from when you first started? What tricks and tips have you picked up? I think in the first batch of episodes, I would write big chunks of VO that gave too much context to the interview's answer. And so I think this time around, it's a bit more like, well, not this time around. These new episodes we're doing are a bit more, they're a bit more fast. And I think we now know who the audience is, that we have a better understanding of the way we can write for them. Like, they are more educated than we think they are. We know how old they are and a level of their sexual experience. So I feel more like their friend now rather than their, like, conduit for penis and vulva facts. Well, let's have a little, little chat about your audience. What do you get coming back and how do they come back? Um, so we have an Instagram account where we do like a lot of question and answer and polls and um, obviously that gives you a good insight, I think, the engaged audience. But the really interesting thing with the Instagram account is that a lot of people message but they don't follow the account. I think there's still a, this stigma around like publicly being associated with the brand of something that has sex in the title, which is something we did think about going into it, being like, should we have a discreet 
public persona. But it's interesting, like the people that write in or our audience is majority female, but also it, it, it really depends, like episodes that are, like the wanking episode um, has like a really high number of male listeners. Um, obviously the penis ones have a high number of male listeners, but it's young females and males that are like in their early 20s. Did you think that that was going to be the case when you were first creating the show? I thought it would be a little bit older. It's a little bit younger than I thought. I sort of thought like 25 to 30, but it's more like 20 to 25. And what kind of guidance does Spotify give you on that? Because it was a, it's funny that you mentioned that about the, the title of the shows, mm. and specifically the episode titles. Presumably, you know, if you're listening on Spotify, then that can show up in your feed. And, you know, people not following on Instagram, maybe for that reason. Do you think that, that is preventative at all? Or do you think people are just like, you know what? Um, I think there's something to be said about, like, just being there and being present. Like, especially, like, to have a for Spotify's first original to be about sex goes a long way to break that stigma of like, it's fine, like get over it. You know, it's, we all do it. We can all talk about it and be adults about it. Um, But interestingly, some of the titles have impacted the listenership, which is so funny because like a lot of people need to know from the data, need to know about STIs, but not a lot of people, like that wasn't our most popular episode, which is so funny because it's like you you're all searching this, I know. None of you know what the clap is. Please listen to the episode. <laughs> There's some very useful information yes, in just, there for you. Please listen. Stop listening to the wanking one. <laughs> <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> what was the most popular episode so far? I think the first one is always going to be the, the big ticket because it's a really good conversation with Chantel, who has a massive following. It's a really well-rounded episode. Um, the topic is how to have sex, but we go into like what people might have actually been trying to search when they search for that. Because I, I don't know. What do you guys think? I think that sex is a an, an innate skill. Yes. Like you you might not be good at it, but you know how to do it to a certain extent. There's something in your evolutionary makeup that pushes you towards someone. Yeah. Well, consensually pushes you towards someone. Exactly. So that episode was really about how to have better sex um, and the barriers that can stop people from having really good sex. So I think it's a, a really useful episode. And how did you find Chantel and how do you go about booking people for your interviews? There's a rotating roster of sex and relationship people in Australia, isn't there? So I always try and find someone that's a little bit left of centre because we still need to make sure that they can answer the question and that sustain a conversation for half hour on this topic, but can maybe bring something else to it from a different angle. So like the How to Measure a Penis episode was with an evolutionary biologist and so measuring a penis is a very simple skill. You could probably tell me how to do it. Did he reference Archimedes from memory? Yes. <laughs> and then the history of um, our obsession with penis size and how it's dictated in art and the history of the studies in science that have gone back around that. So we do the show well when we find people that are unexpected to answer these questions. So how would you have found someone like that professor? Um, lots of Googling. We often get recommended people by people that have been on the show. It consume a lot of sex and relationship media. Yeah, it's a it's a bit of a fiddly process because there's something to be said for having like uh, big name influencers who will draw an audience to the crowd. But there's also something to be said for like the no name academic from the Latrobe University who's like studied this for thirty years. So I think it's finding a balance between what's engaging, but also like making these scientists or these academics engaging in the stuff that they you know know a lot about and are you reaching out to these people directly uh no i work with um a team from audiocraft who helped me produce the show all right yeah 
And how did, did that relationship with Audiocraft come about through Spotify? Yeah, yeah. So Spotify were like, we want this show, but we recognize that this is your first attempt at doing something like this. So let's partner you with someone that can really help you and um, develop those skills. And it's been like a really great working relationship with Audiocraft. The production's top tier. Oh, thank it you. Really is. Yeah. It would, I think it, it still would have been a good show if I had done it by myself, but having, like, Spotify giving me the opportunity to work with people that are that good at what they do have just made the show ten times better and given it, like, a whole bunch of resources that just meant that the show really serves the audience really well instead of just being something that's, like, entertaining. We're lucky that we can have a fact-checker through that relationship and that we can have a really amazing audio engineer. And so I just sit back and let them do their job. Yeah, because I think the sort of the experts idea is one of those fields where you can have people coming out from every nook and cranny and finding the, the, someone who's actually going to be, well, entertaining, but then also give you factual content. Exactly. I think it's just so important. Yeah. Do you try and really maintain a good bit of representation across, you know, different sexuality types, genders, everything like that? I mean, is this a conscious effort that you, that you sort of storyboard out and say, we want to focus on this and we've had a bit too much of that, so therefore let's focus on this area of the body or sexual gamut or whatever? 100%. And it's like the first the first port of call when we go into making episodes. Not only getting the representation balance in talent, but also in genitals and sexuality over the whole spectrum of the episodes, but also within the episodes as well. Like... Um, we did an episode that was the question, the most searched question was how to insert a male organ into a female organ, which is obviously very gender divisive. And I think that's what sort of makes our show stand out is that it's not, it's not a sex and relationship show about who I've slept with or my genitals. It's very much about the spectrum of genitals and the spectrum of sexualities um, because sex isn't about gender. It's about genitals. And so we, we always lead with the genitals when we talk about sex. I was thinking about this this morning of like how different the show would be if it was hosted by a female because I always go to vulva questions because I'm I don't know much about them surprise so I, I always think like you know if a female was hosting this or a person with a vulva was hosting this would there be more penis questions but yeah it's a constant struggle because it's like you want to answer the most search questions but then you also want to maintain this representation of genitals and then a lot of academics in Australia are white um, and when it comes to vulvas and vaginas, they're female. And when it comes to penises, they're men. So it's like finding this like balance of everything. I don't know. I think we get it right most of the time. But the language around it, I think, is changing. And it, I find it very hard. Like I constantly catch myself using the wrong pronouns in meetings or like using the wrong like vulva and vagina. So I think it's like I think people are accepting when, you know, we're all learning. I don't know. I like I like to think that by us using inclusive language, it's changing other people's language as well. Yeah, definitely. I think we're all in this sexual discovery, you know, at the same time, and it's a great little tool to have. Have you found with your interviewing style has that changed throughout? Oh, I still think I'm shit at it, and it's. I think it's like mainly been impacted by COVID that most of them have been like over remote recordings. So you're sort of just sitting staring at your computer screen, reading the questions. It often doesn't sound as good as when it is when it's with a person because I think there's a lot more banter and that whole body language plays into it. And I like, I think I thrive when I'm in front of someone I'm trying to impress. And there's a little bit of timing as well. If it's just a little bit off, you find, I the, find that really yeah. annoying. And the jokes don't work when there's like an audio glitch and they're like, what did you say? And I'm like, don't worry about it. I was <laughs> making a joke about my balls, you know. <laughs> 
Were you always open on the topic of sex? I don't think my friends would either say that I'm a very sexual person, but I don't know. I think there's this weird stigma that comes with like the group of friends that talk about sex as if it's like, oh, that's that's a weird friendship group that talk openly about their sex life. But I don't think that I would say that I was a sexual person at all until making this podcast. Like I feel like having been able to read so much and talk to so many people, I feel I've like become a lot more open about my own sex life and the different types of like kinks and pairings that can happen and the the weird things and wonderful things that can happen within sex but the show really started because of my medical anxiety i'm the type of person that is googling things when i've got like i'll wake up with a a scratch on my leg and i'm like right all right it's a uh syphilitic canker i've got syphilis uh better go to the doctor and then they're like it's not uh it's a mosquito bite that you've scratched like wake up to yourself like (laughs) how am i gonna die today (laughs) yeah exactly so i think thing that drew me to this was the nerdy data that was like all of these people are looking at these questions but from that i think i've developed more of an interest in sex and sexuality and gender and that sounds a bit woo woo but uh you know i think if any i think anyone that listens to the show walks away going oh fuck i feel a bit more empowered or i feel i feel less intimidated now by the idea of doing that or having that conversation you've had shows on abc iview before nano and rowdy's chemical romance Mm. they've obviously got a science focus about them too is this did that kind of come before the spotify was that around the same time um they came before someone pointed this out to me again the other day and they were like they're all the same topic when are you going to get a new hobby? And I'm like, I, when it's solved, when science gives me an answer to all of these things, I will happily walk away from it. And we can move on to Howard Holt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think the intersection between sex, love, relationships and science and medicine is a really interesting thing. Like for something that's such a romanticised and emotional thing, to try and answer it with medicine or science, I don't know, that, I find that interesting. And how do you find podcasts as a medium compared to TV or anything else? In terms of discovery, I think it's easier for people to access podcasts, um, especially if they're like on a free platform like Spotify. Plug. <laughs> I think people think that making a podcast is really easy, but it's not. Um, and making TV is very expensive and very hard. What a podcast gives you is the ability to be a bit more connected to the audience and a bit more private about it. Like you don't have to, Yes. people don't have to know what you're listening to. You log on to Netflix and it's like, here's what you do want to keep watching this weird show that you might not want to tell your friends about. But I find making podcasts more enjoyable than making television. Making TV is such a, a long, arduous process. And I feel like you can turn, you can turn around a, a podcast much quicker. It's a perfect medium, I think, for what you're doing because it's such an intimate medium. And as yeah. you're saying, it's private. So I can be listening to your podcast while I'm walking, you know, in a crowded coffee shop and no one's got any idea that I'm getting tips on how to measure my penis. Yeah, yeah. Um, or listening, you know, finding out about the clap. I love it. Cool, thank you. In terms of duration of the show, yeah. you've got the two lengths, you've got mm-hmm. the the quickies and just the standard size. Is that something that kind of came about? <laughs> Is that something that came about pretty early in your process of getting this together? Yeah, that was always in the pitch, mainly because the podcasts that I listen to have that and I was like... This is the perfect format for a show like this where you can have a deep discussion about something. And then for the questions that don't require a lot of um, discussion or delving into, it's like, here's what you need to know, move on. We're still working out how the quickies work. I mean, sometimes we have a quickie and we're like, damn, that should have been a full episode. Like, that was really good. But also some of the questions in the most search list are like, how old do you have to be to buy condoms? So like that doesn't really sustain. Yeah, Yeah, that doesn't really sustain an episode enough. But I think it's a 
perfect format for a show like this because you're getting all of the information in the right duration. If you had one in mind that you thought was going to be a quickie, can you turn it around if suddenly a whole bunch of rich content is coming from this and you can say, oh, maybe this is worth spending a bit more time on or do you sort of have a pretty good sense if it's going to be limited to you know six minutes or so? We only really know when it's done where it's like, God, that interview that or that talent really knew really good stuff. We should have thought about this a bit more. But um, in these new episodes, we're doing them with the same talent. So they're, they're a little bit different. So you're on for season two. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit how it's going to be different. Season two is um, not only taking the most search questions, but it's also taking user-submitted questions and also um, topics that we found that have gone viral. So expanding our world of the internet a little bit more. So one of the episodes is, I don't know if you guys saw the tweet that was like, am I a Pornhub category or am I privileged? Um, oh, no. Yeah, so a bit of an um, interesting topic. So we're going to be delving into that. Benji Ra. We had like a, an influx of user submitted questions about anal. So we're doing um, a big anal spectacular where it's every anal effort, uh, every anal question you can ever imagine. Yeah, I, I'm really excited about these new episodes because I think they're a bit more mature. We've, d- we've done the sort of like, here's your base sex ed, here's what you need to know. Like now let's dive into some sort of more niche questions that you might be searching. But you still have to be quite anal about the preparation. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> have any of the questions that have been submitted through listeners surprised you at all? Things that you hadn't even thought about yourself? I, I don't know. I always get a little bit conflicted with myself when I'm like, oh, that's a weird question or that's a strange question because people wouldn't be searching them if they were weird or strange. Like they're obviously the status quo if they're on the list of the most searched. Like they're the things we need to know. So I think I'm always surprised by people's level of detail or honesty when they message. Thank you for sharing um, your really detailed story of how you got an anal fissure. Please see a doctor. Uh, But thank you. Like it it always surprises me that people are so open and honest with us. And I think that's a, a testament to our audience, how we've been able to, you know, serve them and keep them. And are you running your socials yourself? I am, which is interesting. We worked with um, Spotify's branding people to like create a look and feel for it. Um, and they just gave me some templates and now I do it all myself. So it's kind of a really interesting process to have to go back and like, you know, it's a good episode, but like what parts of this are going to like really sell it or enthuse people to click on the list, the, sorry, the link. And what's the feedback been generally like from the audience? Have there been any particular episodes that they've really responded to or you've had people say, look, that really actually helped me out quite a bit or it's a new take on yeah. this content? Yeah, so we did an episode with um, Nadine Shamali um, and the topic was, is there someone better out there for me? And I think it was her level of vulnerability and openness about her story, which is like completely different to like any relationship or romantic pathway that you could ever imagine and I think she said some really good things that were a bit of a light bulb moment to people and I and it's still one of the things that I I think we've received the most feedback from you know this idea of finding the one or like your one true love and I think we all want to believe that that's true but I don't really think it is (laughs) you are living the podcaster's dream am I which is you've got a Spotify original I think that's what anyone starting a podcast is probably sees as an ideal outcome um, I think people people are just happy that um, it, it was someone that black that got it. You know, if you're going into making a podcast thinking that you're thinking that that's what you want, or that you're going to be the next Joe Rogan, you've probably got your expectations set a little bit too high. Like I still like even coming here today, I was like, why am I 
talking about this show. Like, I in my mind, it's still not as big as it is. Um, but I think that's what happens when you're the person that, like, came up with the idea and you're behind it. You, I think there's that level of, like, imposter syndrome where you're like, this is not – this is going to end tomorrow. Like, they're going to call me and be like, thank you for your services. We're done. Um, <laughs> go to Jobseeker. <laughs> have you, and so you have had a good bit of support within the community. Have you met other podcasters or anyone that you've sort of enjoyed listening to in the past that's given you really good advice? I mean, the team at AudioCraft, have, um, I knew them through my work at the ABC um, and they're always full of really good advice. But I think it's like this moment now where you start getting shopped around to talk on other people's podcasts that you realise that, you know, when you spend more of your time talking about your podcast than making your podcast that's when you know you've made it. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> and then have you started to think about any other topics or you know podcast ideas that you'd like to do after this? Is it something you'd like to continue to pursue? And now having the confidence of like working with Spotify and AudioCraft, I think podcasting is definitely a space that I want to continue working in just because I think it's a lot more accessible for me and also I can look like this and not have to be in front of the television um, I also think there's a level of it being a, a bit more, a bit easier to get support behind. Like I think pitching a TV show is always this like really arduous process. And, you know, I think a podcast is a little bit more achievable. And I think the appetite for podcasting in Australia is a bit stronger at the moment than TV. So I think now's a good time to like keep pursuing this. So I imagine the other thing people ask you for is advice, be it your family or, or whoever. Do you have any just set bits of advice that you like to give to people or anything you've thought about recently since going through, you know, this whole new process of speaking to people about your podcast. Any, any little tips or tricks that you'd get out there? I thought it was going to be sex advice and I started sweating. I was like, oh. Uh. <laughs> Can also be sex advice if that's what you're more comfortable with. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I, this is something I um, did in TV as well, but um, I always listen back and I always watch back because I think that's where you learn the most, where you're like you talk too fast or you're stumbling or like you learn so much about the way that you speak and the way that you inflect language when you listen back. And it is really painful to listen to yourself, but I think it's one of the most important things that you can do as a, as a host or a creator is to be like, that didn't work when you tried to be funny or, or all of these other scenarios. But I also think that if you're going into podcasting now, that setting benchmarks and goals for yourself is really good. But I, I think people underestimate the value of sentiment so like you might only have 500 people that listen to your podcast, but if those 500 people are so engaged and so invested in what you're saying to them, that's worth more than being in the top charts, I think. So I think if you're going to start a podcast, I think setting some not realistic expectations, because I think everyone sets realistic expectations, but setting some expectations around sentiment, because I think people forget that that's really what you're doing at the end of the day. It's like if you're making a podcast to get in the charts, you're probably going to fail. But if you're making a podcast for this really niche community that you know you're going to serve and that no one's served before or has already been served, but you're going to do it differently, and this is why, I think that is where the value of podcasting is. Yeah, that authenticity comes through if it's for the right reasons. Yeah. Do you have any podcasts that you're into or any you can recommend? My go-to podcast is You're Wrong About, um, which is to these two American journalists that sort of rehash um, pop culture or uh, current affair issues but retelling it through the lens of like where we are now and what we might have missed so notable examples uh, sorry notable episodes would be like the Anna Nicole Smith one or like the controversy around Janet Jackson's boob slip at the halftime show so it's like I find it really interesting because it's like what you think happened as a kid that grew up around that time 
but what was actually the truth and like how it was persuaded by American media or, you know, our perception of what happened. Um, but I also really liked A Teacher's Pet. And I'm like not a true crime person, but I, I got so hooked into that. Um, and I've been listening to uh, another Spotify original, um, I Can't Stop by Tanya Hennessy. I'll give anything a go. Well, thanks for giving us a Behind the Podcast a go. Hope you enjoyed our conversation with Rowdy Walden. Links to everything search engine sex are in the show notes. This is a partnership between the Australian Podcast Awards and DM Podcast. Remember, winners for the Australian Podcast Awards will be announced on the 21st of November. Be sure to check out the website. New episodes of Behind the Podcast are released every Wednesday morning.